Welcome to another Sunday morning sermon from Marysville Christian Church. We're glad you're here joining us on this journey to learn more, love more, and look more like Jesus. We invite you to grab a cup of coffee and a Bible as we dive into God's Word. I want to read a passage of scripture familiar to uh, those of you that are Bible scholars, and uh, it's a very important aspect. When you believe that God Almighty has a design and God has a plan, and the function of that plan and those ideas involve people just like you. They involve people like us that we might be servants, but we might be on task. And being on task then causes us to write in the channel of God's love and God's wisdom. And in the Old Covenant, uh, God needed to use some people because even though they were the children of God, there was a lot of dysfunctional movement in their life. And there came a need one time for God to be able to direct his people. A task needed to be performed, and nobody would do it. And when they began to search to complete this task, there's a statement over in the book of Ezekiel, a prophet of old. Very familiar thought, but over in the book of Ezekiel 22, I'm just going to read one verse of scripture, and I'll ask you to remain standing with me as we pray for God's word to become a part of us today. And it says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall, and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, and I should not destroy it, but I found no one. So today our thoughts is, is God searching for a man? Is God searching for a woman that is in this audience today? May the result be a whole lot more than what Ezekiel found. He found no one that would stand in the gap, and anybody that's living today realize there's multiple gaps and we're all different and we all have different skills and we have different functions. But God is saying the necessity of all of us using whatever gifts that God has given to us to stand in the gap and maybe, maybe we'll find the power of God way beyond our personal imaginations and we'll be able to achieve, not necessarily what we have meditated on, but we'll be able to achieve what God has established for us. We're all unique, aren't we? And yet God wants to use that uniqueness to be able to accomplish the will of God on earth. So let's pray. God, I'm thankful today that we can assemble here in this room Grateful, Heavenly Father, for the time that men and women have invested in education and in the development of social lives and skills and athletic programs here in this community. I'm grateful, Father, for those who are well-equipped and trained. I'm grateful for those who have great skills and they have developed initially those skills to be able to be used. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the future. And yet we realize the future is dependent upon today. What happens today sometimes can determine tomorrow. 
But sometimes our thoughts have not been adequate or we not perhaps have really generated much future thought. But I pray today as the springboard of this congregation has acknowledged achievements, but their hearts are full of progressive thoughts for those that were here and those that were not here today. But since we're here, God, I pray that you'd speak to us, not necessarily with words of men, but under the power of the Holy Spirit. We might be able to engage in your word that we might find ourselves engaged in your world. Help us, Father, that we might understand the value of a person, that we might love, that we might cherish, that we might serve. But help us to realize, God, your value in the function of our heads, our hearts, and our hands. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated today. You know, over in 3 John, in 3 John, there was a statement there that says uh, that I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. And I think that we as parents have put a lot of effort, time, and money that we might be able to help our young people achieve things. Now, the achievement process is so important. So it is a process, and it's sometimes it's a very difficult process. But these processes, as valuable as they are, we sometimes have stopped to realize that it is the truth that we focus on, that we know the truth about who we are. We know the truth about a need of a culture. We need to know the truth. And so it is, driven to our knees, that sometimes we have prayed, God, help me not only to know, not only to be equipped, but help me, Father, to proceed that I might be able to be an active and a profitable process to those around us. There's three men in the Bible that I find are world changers. And there's a whole list of many more, but you've already been here an hour. And so it is with respect to you and respect to God. We're going to talk about three men, all right? And these are men that have joined the ranks of God's heroes in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And we see these heroes. I want us first of all to understand these are normal people. These, these are not those who have excelled in many areas of life. They're not necessarily ones that have had more opportunity for personal achievement. These are just people like us. And so it is to you and I, our benefit today, that we might acknowledge that God uses people just like me. People just like you. So there is no excuse, there is no avenue that you ought to travel on and say, I'm nobody. Who am I amidst the eight billion people that now reside on planet Earth? Who am I? Let me tell you who you are. You are the creation of God. And you know the old statement is that God don't make no junk. So there's nobody of failure. There's nobody of weakness. There's nobody that should ever sit here this morning and say, I can't do it. Because I know you can't. <laughs> I know you have some assets. I know you have some processes. And I know you have a telephone and a computer. And so we can research just about anything you want to do. And we can be a part of that great list of achievers. 
And so we know we can do that. But there's something more important that I really think that we ought to see. And there's nothing as valuable in our life as a visible example. So important. Anybody here ever heard the statement, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I want you to know that, I used to struggle with that in my pursuit of wisdom and knowledge, but the realities of life, sometimes it's who you know that helps you to take that next step, the process. And so it is, without any reservations this morning, that I really call upon you to look to someone who can make a difference in your life. Look to someone that's just a normal person. Yes, Jesus is our ultimate example, but there is no doubt that all these pages in God's Word are full of people just like us that sometimes back off, but sometime in their life they came to a point God can use me too. God might be calling upon you, the graduates, to stand in the gap. But perhaps you're more than a graduate. You have a degree in the movement of life. You realize what it takes to survive in the world. As chaotic as it is, we know that Christ is the one who levels it all. And so today, as we talk about this, I just want you to be excited. You know, the Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So don't waste a day. This is a gift of God that's given to us. You know, we could all talk about people that have made a difference in our life. We can read stories and essays and novels about people that were intimately involved in achieving a process. Maybe they did a good job, and we can be challenged by that. And so it is today that I want to present to you three men. And these three men are known to you. They will not be new in your vocabulary. They won't be new in your knowledge of the Bible. And the reality of life is I probably won't tell you anything this morning that you don't already know. But I want to just compact them together because we all need to go the right way. And the steps that we take individually are so important. As it is very clear that when you graduate from high school, life is different. When you graduate from college, life is different. But my friends, life is what you pursue it to be. You cannot use excuses. Well, I was raised, let me tell you, I grew up in the mountains of West Virginia, all right? I was, it was not the end of the world, but you could see it from where I lived. And so there is no excuse to the lack of pursuit of being better. And being better is something that I believe that God in heaven is encouraging you today. I believe that God is saying to you, I know there's a plan out there. But it is not without a, it's not without a shadow of a doubt that God realized the chaos that's in our world. God realizes the, the defunction that's going on in our world today. And who knows, maybe God's calling you today for a special moment, for a special existence for something. And so, you know, I can tell you books and things that I have read, but I tell you why, there's no better example in all of the literature of the world than God's Word. God's Word is so full of reality. 
It is full of steps to progress and achievement. So I'm going to ask you to go along with me for a little bit. and Maybe I'll ask you to be patient with me, all right? And if you don't use or understand some of the ways I say certain words, hang around and I'll confuse you more with personal talk, all right? And so as we go on, always remember that this is an act of faith. So if you're wanting the list of scriptures, you can go to the book of Hebrews and chapter 11. And I'd like you to do that, and I'll read that. This is the, uh, uh, the scriptures, if I can find Hebrews. There it is. And so we're going to go to 11. These are God's heroes. But I'm just going to use a, a few. It says, verse 1, Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Then we can read the multiplicity of numbers here, but no verse in this whole chapter is any more important than that first verse because it talks about faith. You know, we sing a song in the church, faith is the victory, all right? And so we understand the value and the progress and faith will help us go through the diversities of life, the burdens of life, and the struggles that you and I face on a daily basis. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. By faith, they did that. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In other words, things came into existence because God spoke it, not because there was a, a, a process that went about to get us, all right? And, and then listen to this. This is the first one. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gift, and through it, being dead, still speaks. Can you imagine that? Here we are, and old Abel has been gone for a long time, and we're still verbalizing, we're still speaking his name today. Verse 5. By faith, this is going to be the number two guy, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. Listen, he pleased God. Anybody in the room today like to be having that said of you? I pleased God. I mean, we've seen some lot of talent up here. We've seen some skills here we have seen some organizational skills and we got a guy controlling that booth back there he can shut me down that quick all right so what happens is this but the key element the key element to your life is the same as an element that was in us like he pleased god and i'm hoping that is found in your heart and in your life today six but without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to god must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who di diligently seek him. Now, the third guy we're going to talk about. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark and the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So it's very simple. When you know I get to Noah, I'm almost done. All right? And so let's look at it very quickly. And I look at these men's life and I see something unique about them. But I want you to see something special in the Bible. The Bible is all about Jesus. And you can look at the 66 chapters or you can look at this, 
609,269 words in the New Testament. You can look and see all of that. But if you don't see Jesus, you've missed the Bible. Because every page in the Bible is stained with the blood of Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. For example, the Old Testament says he's coming. The New Testament tells us he's here. Number three tells us that he's going to die on the cross, he's going to be buried, and he's going to be resurrected. But let's not forget the ascension. He's going to go back to heaven. And number four about Jesus is he's coming again. Amen? Amen. Amen. There's some of us believe that here. And so he's coming again, all right? We all know that we look forward to that fourth stage in the very presence of God's word. He's coming again. We'll meet him in the sky. In Psalms 13, 6, it says, I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. And so let's not package all of the facts and forget that God is good. And he's good not just to the world, he's good to us. And I also look over in Hebrews 13, 15, it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continue to offer to God the sacrifice of praise the fruit of the lips that confess his name. And so I, I want you to see Abel worshipped God. You know, it's, sometimes we want to know why did God accept Abel's sacrifice and why did he reject Cain's sacrifice? Well, that's a topic for discussion on Saturday morning's Bible study. And so I'm not going to dig too deep in that, but I sure like to sow some seed there. Many scholars believe that it's because Cain's sacrifice had no blood in it. And from the very beginning of knowledge that God has given to us, he's expressed to us there's power in the blood, all right? And so we can go back as early as literature informs us and tells us there's going to be a continual story of blood, which eventually is going to lead us to the blood that Jesus willfully shed. Not because he sinned, but because you sinned, because I sinned. He was the perfect sacrifice, for had he sinned, then he would have been responsible for his own personal sin. But since he had never sinned, his death was for sin, but not his mind. And so as I began to see that, what does that mean to me? What should I do for that? I need to learn to worship God. I need to think about God. I need to feel God. I need to see how important worship is. You know, worship takes on many aspects. You know, I can worship in my car as I did coming out here. All right? And you ought to be thankful for that because I was singing in my car. You didn't hear it? God did. All right? And so there's not much vibration in my voice. And so the only thing that could ever be profitable were the words that came from my head and my heart and out my mouth. And so worship is not just what we would call corporate worship. I want us to say it's an individual worship, but even in here, I think Dave would agree with this, it's all of us worshiping together, but it is a continuation of individual worship. When the individuals worship, then it's beautiful. I, I watch this guy play that guitar over there, and all I think was, I don't want to play. I'm satisfied with him. <laughs> Lamar, he's good. He's really good. 
But it's not long until my little brain went through every instrument and every voice. And then, you know, I didn't want to be weird watching you sing. Because it's not about you singing, it's about me singing. It's not about how you worship, it's about how I worship. And so you began to see the experts in charge of directing us. So Abel worshiped God. And that's something that we can do. What an example for our life. In the midst of the chaos of your life and my life, we can worship God. And it doesn't have to be pleasant to the ear of somebody else. It only has to be welcomed by the heart of God. And so as I began to think of this worship like Abel, I said, you know, I, I want to do that. I want to worship like Abel. I haven't always done that. Sometimes I've just got locked into the pattern, locked into what others are doing, and sometimes not so good, not so good. But I thank God that he let me live like another day, that I can learn to worship God and sing praises to his name and to honor him as I know he is. I put a statement, I don't know where it's at, but worship is the divine, is when the divine enters the human soul. See, what happens is this is not about how good you sound. This is how you feel. Now, I could go on. Jonathan Edwards, one of the great scholars of the past, he talked about an emotional response. It wasn't just his sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God Holding Over the Pits of Hell. We see the continuation of this brilliant man as he talked about how the emotion of the heart began to really feel him. Sometimes we miss that. And I think sometimes that I miss that too. Because a lot of time I was just all hung up on this word and that word and this word and that word. And, and yet I've come to learn the value of the emotional worshiping of God. All right. Psalms 84.10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And I think that you and I can enjoy that. You know, maybe we're running out of here to watch him play golf in Muirfield today. Maybe you're watching, running out of here to work in your flower garden or work in your other garden. Maybe you're just wanting to go on a picnic. Maybe you're just wanting to be with your family. And that's all super stuff. But while we're here, let's worship like Abel. Let's make sure that we worship biblically. Let's make sure it's a heart expression. Number two, I'm just going to talk about walk like Enoch. Now, you know, we don't see much in the Bible about the achievements of this man named Enoch. We don't know about it. We don't know about all those things. We know he had a, had a son that lived to be 969 years old, you know. And so the son gets more recognition than daddy. <laughs> so, but what did he do? What is he known for? Let's not miss this, my friends. He walked with God. We might not be the smartest people in the block. We might not be the most intellectual person in the block. But my friend, we can all walk with God. There's nobody in this room that's being left out of the example of Enoch. We have wonderful world pictures. I remember when I was in Sunday school, that's when they had a little board and they stuck a, uh, some picture cut out on it. You know, I'm just telling you, it's a long time ago. All right? <laughs> but I remember a little cutout in, in that board and they had Enoch here 
And next thing, the teacher put Enoch higher on that board. What was he doing? I figure it this way. Enoch and God were just walking together, and it got late. God knew that Enoch was getting tired, and he said, Mr. Enoch, this is speculation, all right? <laughs> hey, Mr. Enoch, my house is closer than your house. Let's go to my house tonight. And so it was the transition of Enoch was no longer walking on dirt. He was now walking on what we refer to as the pearly gates of heaven. And so it is that we can walk with God too. As the process initiated by you already this morning, as you said in Remy's, Remy's class, as you said in other Bible classes, and in this time of worship and celebration of the multiple graduates, and you see all of that. And then today we get a little bit of feeding in the Word of God. But the most wonderful thing is not only can we worship God like Abel, we can walk with God like Enoch. Can you imagine that? Wherever you go today, whoever you meet, whatever activity finds its place in your path, you can walk with Enoch. Hebrews 11.6, believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Oh, what a challenge. What, what a thing. Can you imagine this? It just causes me almost to stop and just imagine this experience. All he's known for is he walked with God. I can tell you Bible characters and preach sermons on the characters of the Bible, and I can do all of that, and I can tell you episodes that will cause you almost to lose your breath and your imagination can go wild with the intricate details of that. Not with Enoch. He just walked with God. Walked with God. And I can tell you without any personal reservation, man, I love walking with God. Man, I've made so many mistakes in my life. Made so much sometimes of communication and done things that I should have done. I should have gotten engaged in this and that. But I've learned one valuable existence for me. I want to worship like Abel, but I want to walk with God. I want to walk with God. I can think of nothing better to say to the graduates and to those of us that are still alive today, let's, let's worship like Abel and let's walk like Enoch. Can I take you really quick to another guy? All right. And uh, you know who this guy is. And, and I could spend the rest of the day talking about Enoch, by the way. And, but I want to talk about Noah. And there's a passage of Scripture before we get to Noah. Did, did, was there a, a, a slide there? Yeah. I want you to look at that with me. I want you to, i tell you what. If you want to memorize a verse of Scripture, this is it. This is it. So i tell you what. Would it be all right if you read out loud with an old hillbilly? All right, would you do that? All right. So let's do this. You out loud, I'll be out loud, and see what God does. All right, let's begin. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. Listen, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. My, what a great way for me to think about today. What a, what, it's such a, a simple thing, but it's so hard, isn't it? Because we're so busy. Busy, busy, busy. 
that we sometimes don't look at the little things that are really, really put together that make us good. All right, let's go to no back to Noah. He, he worked, let's work like Noah, all right? We're going to worship like Abel, we're going to walk like Enoch, but we're going to work like Noah. Ha, okay. You can, you can finish this point because you've read the Bible about the episodes of Noah going to work. God says to him, Noah, I want you to build an ark. I want you to understand that situation. He's in a desert. He's 100 miles from the ocean. It has never rained. And he's asked to build a, building, a, a boat that's 450 feet long. I'm telling you, that would have stopped everybody that I know in their tracks. You kidding me? What am I going to do? I can imagine as Bill Cosby said, what's an ark? <laughs> what's an ark? And as you begin to see that process, there's something that I want you to see. And I want you to answer this question with me. Why did Noah build that ark? Why did he go ahead and do that? Beyond his ability, beyond his expectation, nothing like this has ever been done that Noah had ever seen. You know why he did it? Simple, because God told him to. I mean, let's not make it hard, folks. Let's not make it hard. The reason I come here today is because God told me to. The reason I break bread with you on Sunday is because God told me to. The reason that I repented of my sin because God told me to. The reason I confessed Jesus to be the Lord and Son of God because Jesus told me. The reason I was immersed into Christ is because God told me to. The reason I read my Bible is because God told me to. The reason I love you because God told me to. And I could go on and on, but your lunch is ready. All right? <laughs> And so, as I, I go on with this thing, you know, and the Bible says that Noah responded in holy fear. He responded, but he responded in holy fear. This was not a casual decision. This was not going to be a casual movement. This was something that was deep in Noah's life. He moved with fear. You know, faith involves an element of fear. Can I say it again? Faith involves an element of fear. You know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's like when you graduate from high school. Man, you're so tickled to death. But then you say, uh-oh, what now? What now? Graduate from college. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I'm not going home anymore. Mom's not fixing supper anymore. Mom's not doing my laundry anymore. And so as you begin to see the complicated events yet to come in your life, but us adults, we have fear. We have fear that our spouse is going to live. We have fear that Social Security is still going to be available. We have fear, all these elements of our world that we live in. And I'm saying this to you. Don't hide your head in the sand. Fear is a part of our world. But I'm telling you that we need to move to faith. Fear might be a part of your life, but fear is the answer to fear. Faith is the answer to fear. And I want you to see that. And Noah responded in Galatians 6, 22. It says this, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. I remember writing this the other day, and I sat back and I thought to myself, did I do that? Do I do that every day? Just simply because God commanded me to. 
you know, I sit back and I think about, I've gone to, I've gone to church all my life. And do I just do it because it's a habit? Do I do it because it's expected of me? I become a preacher, now I do it to get a check. And so, you know, why do I do that? We need to understand we do it because God commanded us to. Do not erase or eradicate the commandments of God in your life. Those commandments of God will lead you to a healthy and ever-abiding relationship with the God who created you, who created the world. And Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Please understand the connection to obey the commands of God. In Genesis 6, 5, God said, I'm sorry I created the world. He said that every thought and every imagination of their heart was evil continually. Oh, I'm saying personally, just personally, could they be worse than they are today? Could they be? Maybe, maybe. And I'm not trying to erase the terribleness of the world today because I come to the church and I see people standing and singing and raising their hands and, and worshiping God and writing songs and people learning to play instruments that they might be able to assist in the music that would glorify God. In John 15, 14, he says, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. That's what Jesus said. In John 13, 34, he said, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. And in John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So I see Noah, he builds this ark. What's the result of Noah building the ark? You know what else? Eight people got saved. <laughs> Eight people got saved. And if our world is needing to be saved today, maybe we ought to be a part of that ark. Maybe we ought to move into an ark. Oh, you did. Because the ark today is the Lord's church. It's the Lord's family. It's the Lord's followers. We are living in the ark of God if you've been added to the body of Christ. You are now floating way above the world, and you will be floating to a place not because a bird's going to get a leaf of a tree and fly back and see the ground is close. You're going to understand as you look into the heavenly skies, and you can understand God is coming again. And he's not bringing me a piece of grass He's not bringing me a leaf from a tree. He's bringing me the Son of God. There will come that day when the Bible says He will come forth from the eastern sky and He'll be bringing with Him. The Bible said He saw the souls of those that were martyred for the cause of Christ. They're coming with Him. The graves will be opened up. And then the fastest thing known on mankind is the twinkling of an eye. And He says in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed and we will have a new body. And thus we will be with the Lord forever. Let me tell you, I want to be in that ark because I know where that boat's floating, all right? And that boat is floating someplace that I want to go, and that's a boat that I want my family in. It's a boat that I want my friends in, and it's a boat that I want people that I don't even know how to pronounce their name, all right? I thought about that. And so as you see all that stuff, we're going to be there. Noah built the ark. Eight people were saved. God's ark's today, right now, is his church, and 
Acts 2, 47 says, And praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. All right, so you praise team, you can come up here now, all right? I, I said I was going to preach till 11.30, and it's 11.29. <laughs> so I got a minute, so hold on tight, all right? <laughs> okay, so we're going to worship like who? Abel. We're going to walk like who? Enoch. And we're going to work like who? Now I want to tell you a fact. If I would put those in a circle, I would put worship at the top. And then I would put walk with God, and then I put work. Now I want to tell you why people get burned out, because they take it out of order. You need to worship first, you need to walk with God, and you need to work. If you just jump in and go to work, you're going to burn out. You're going to burn out. So it is without any reservation. If you write anything down, write worship, walk, and work. Worship, walk, and work. And I will guarantee you the blessings of heaven will flow into your mind, into your heart, and out your hand. I'll tell you a story, and then I'm done. All right? I thought somebody would say Amen. If my, wife, if my wife were here, she'd say amen loud enough for you to hear it. Uh, you know, guys, uh, as a matter of fact, I told this story yesterday at a funeral. Uh, Colonel James Irwin, you know, he's one of the four men that has walked on the earth. And he said when I was in that ship and I was going up and up and up, I looked back. And when I looked back, I saw the phenomena. The earth got smaller and smaller, and smaller, and smaller. And then my mind began to see the great expanse of the universe. And he began to see things that, you know, as an intelligent man, or he wouldn't be where he's at. And so he sees all of this universe compacted together, and he saw it, and his mind comprehended it. And so the reality, the earth got smaller, but the universe became more active in his mind. And then he walks on the moon. I can't imagine that. I've seen that, haven't you? Didn't you see the man on the moon? Did you see that? I saw the man on the moon all the time. My grandma told me there's a man on the moon walking. So, but let me tell you, he comes back to earth again. And next thing I know, he's invited to speak at the Lions Club. He's invited to speak at Silvatan, I think they call it. Invited at the Kiwanis, invited to speak in churches and all that. And they were applauding him. They were patting him on the back. They were speaking loudly in praise to his achievements. Man, here's the guy that walked on the moon. Here's a guy that walked on the moon. Here's a man that walked on the moon. And then he said this. We don't need to be some concerned about my achievement of walking on the earth. But we need to be reminded that God walked on the earth. And so you see, if we're going to brag today, let's brag about the God who walked on the earth. His name was Jesus. And if you're not saved, you've never been born again of the water and the spirit. You've never turned your life over to the Lord. Never, ever looked inwardly at the sin and disobedience in your life. Maybe it's not so much that you did as some of the things maybe you neglected to do. And you come to a place that sin is sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And you come to a place that we need to love Jesus. 
We need to confess our sins to him. Don't confess them to me. I can't do a thing about it. But you confess your sins to God. Turn away from those sins. And the Bible says that we have this opportunity. As we are baptized into Christ, and I personally believe that's where you contact the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus totally removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says that. And then we come to a place that we can live forever for God. My friend, if you've not done that, I don't know the process here, but I would be amiss if I didn't tell you how to get in, all right? So we need to stay in. Get in and stay in, all right? So if you'll stand with me, I think some, you're going to lead the singing? Okay, I'm going to get out of your way. Now. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Marysville Christian Church and connect with us, be sure to go to our website, marysvillechristian.org. If you are near the Marysville area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday morning. We have our Bible study classes at 9 a.m. and our regular worship service is at 10 a.m. Our address is 17,000 Waldo Road, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. Our phone number is 937-642-9838. Email is office at barrysvillechristian.org.